What's up, everybody, and welcome into the first episode, the inaugural episode of Flock Talk, the official Beloit Skycarp podcast, official podcast of the Beloit Skycarp, whatever you want to call it. Larry Larson, Josh Flickinger, and Flick, this is going to be a lot of fun. You know, there's not a lot going on in the offseason. I'm sure you're bored, as I am, not having baseball, at least minor league baseball, so might as well do something to keep busy. Well, absolutely. And, you know, if in case any of the, uh, you know, my financial backers, my bosses or anything, I am not officially bored. I've got plenty to do. Oh, man, this was a, a needed respite from just breaking my back at my desk. So, no, plenty to do out there in uh, Skycarp financial land. But, uh, but also, yes, absolutely missing the baseball. Missing, uh, we're in the home clubhouse right now. And, Larry, I am missing the 25 to 30 guys that are here uh, not to mention our coaching staff and uh, missing those guys for sure. Yeah, it definitely makes our jobs interesting. And you might notice the beautiful Miami Marlins logo behind us. And this clubhouse makes for a great set. They're going to have to kick us out uh, come April. Well, I mean, it's an extensive lighting kit that is required to, uh, to make us, to give us the glow that we properly deserve as guys, uh, you know, that are, that are, you know, some mostly behind the scenes, um, as far as visually, but uh, but we're really Except bringing to the live. floor. Yes, I miss the Facebook lives too. I we'll really have to do. bust one out one of these yeah. days. Maybe, Maybe when the... we're setting up for the podcast. There you go. Yeah, break it up a little bit. So before we really dive into the podcast, so a little bit about what the podcast is going to be. We're going to shoot to have some guests on here. Maybe some interviews uh, from the Sky Carp players, broadcasters, coaches. Uh, maybe people not involved with the Sky Carp, maybe around baseball and the Marlins organization. We're just going to have some fun with it. We've got some fun segment ideas, um, some fun segment name ideas. Yes. I know we've been floating around. So it's just going to be loose about the Marlins, about the system, about baseball, about life. You know? we, are, we are very realistic that our listenership would not be uh, hefty if we don't bring on some guests. Uh, Larry and I are, you know, we're... Um, we're extremely popular figures here in the state line area, but we want to expand our reach, and we're going to need people like uh, Victor Mesa Jr. and Nassim Nunez and those guys, and hopefully uh, we'll, we'll con them into uh, to getting on here without uh, you know any financial incentive at all because this is not a heavily budgeted pro- project uh, that we've got going on here. Con them into it. That's, that's one way to put it. It is. Uh, so just kind of to start here, you mentioned you're super busy during the offseason, you know, sitting at your desk. Uh, take me through the day of the life of Josh Flickinger come early November, late October. Well, it's tough right now. You, you mentioned it. It is. It is It is really tough. The main thing is is just getting everything from last year organized in an orderly fashion. When Pictures, I think Josh Flickinger, I think organized. Pictures, uh, various documents, uh, you know, things like that. Getting all of our our stuff together for our sponsors, that's a big project. And just overall, getting stuff ready so that that next year, when next year comes around, as you know, Larry, I was hired in late March, as was our creative services uh, guy. I I think that's his title, creative services guy. Something like that. Matt Mitchie. What's his name, Matt? He was hired just a couple of weeks before I was. And so we're both kind of doing the same things. Uh, I'm just a little smoother. Um, just kind of getting, getting stuff ready uh, for next year, and uh, we're going to be all set to go. So, yeah, we're, we're raring to go. All right, so we're going to dive into our first segment here, and I don't even know what the segment's called, uh, but we're going to talk Arizona Fall League. Uh, obviously, there's some baseball going on. 
One is the World Series, and the other is the Winter Leagues, one being the Arizona Fall League. We've got some boys down there who were here in Beloit all season long. Victor Mesa Jr., Jose Salas, Chandler Joe's walk as well. Uh, let's dive into Vic and Jose first. I know you've kept up with their numbers. Of course. Uh, but digging a little deeper into the numbers, Vic, 211 batting average. 833 OPS. That's definitely improved from where he was at the end of the season. Well, and that's one thing. Now, you do have to say, we do have to acknowledge, and this will show up in some of our pitchers' numbers as well, the AFL does lean heavily toward the hitters. But the most encouraging thing for Victor, for me, is that expanded power that we didn't always see during the season, which, of course, is completely understandable in April and May, especially with the April and May the Midwest had this year. Uh, but once you get into those summer months, wanted to see maybe a little bit more pop from Vic, and he's certainly showing that out in Arizona. And that could be one of those things where if Victor was maybe on the, on the, you know, the cusp of, does he come back here for a few months to get straight? And then head up to Double A, or does he start right away in Pensacola? Those, you know, these types of performances can perhaps lead to decisions on, uh, you know, from the Marlins brass on where guys start. So it's it's really important to have a nice fall from Vic, and he's done that. Those numbers are are encouraging, I would say, you know, especially because you look at the end of the season, you look at the Skycarp roster and how things finished last two weeks of the year. I mean, everybody is so gassed, and I'm sure, you know, if you struggle to finish the year. Your confidence is greatly diminished, and I think for Victor, I'm sure that confidence is, is back up after a, a nice little stretch here in Arizona. Absolutely. Well, we'll hope to talk to him in future episodes. I'm sure Victor yes, will join us, hey, right? That's the he goal. That's we'll a dream him. guest, maybe. Yeah, it dream really guest. is. He's, he's phenomenal. Jose Salas, 262 batting average, but his OPS is lower, 735. Yes, but it climbing, though. He has been solid of late. I know, um, was it, let's see, what is today, Tuesday? So maybe, maybe even last night or Sunday, a couple of hits, uh, a couple doubles maybe that have expanded hit that OPS. You mentioned not a, lot of, not a ton of power from Jose, but that's been coming on too. And, you know, the great thing about Jose is he's the youngest guy yep. in the Arizona Fall League. I don't think he's turned 20 yet, right? He's, I don't think so, no. He's still a teenager. Still 19. So to be competing at any level... Uh, or with any amount of success at that advanced prospect league for a 19-year-old. It just shows, A, how good he is, and B, what the Marlins thought of him to send him down there. Because it's, you know, he, he could have not done well, and maybe, like you mentioned, the confidence gone down a little bit, but that's not what happened with, with Jose. That begs the question, what were you doing when you were 19 years old? Yeah, not tearing up the Arizona Fall League, I'll tell you that. I was... <laughs> I was uh, Tearing up some some sand traps as a golf course worker. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I uh, my, my 19. I mean, that was my probably my favorite summer of my life because I was 19 years old. The year was 1997. I, I, don't worry about doing the math. I'm old, but your thoughts um, were short and your hair was long. <clears throat> I would wake up um, every morning at about 5:30. Was that Kid Rock? It was. My God. Let's just end this now. It was, <laughs> a, it was a nice experiment and thought, but if we're quoting Kid Rock, I think I'm out. Um, so, you don't like that song? I mean, the song is, yeah, it's, it's yeah. I, I like the song better than I do uh, OK Rock. Um, <laughs> That's fair. But, you know, waking up at 5.30 in the mornings, in the morning to go and, and, and you know, mow, weed whack the sand traps and do whatever other, you know, menial tasks a golf course employee does, Anyway, I'm out by 1.30, 1 
That led me to every single Milwaukee Brewers home game that summer. Ended up hitting 47 games. Oh, my word. It was a summer to remember. It went up to Canada, catch a Blue Jays game, over to Tiger Stadium. Of course, that was the first year of interleague baseball. So went down to Wrigley Field to catch all three of those games. You're really showing your age. And uh, so it was great. It was a great summer, Larry. And um, there's nothing you can do to take that away from me. But... um, yeah, Salas. I mean, you talk about Salas as a talent himself, but how about that family? Unbelievable. I believe that his brother is the top-rated international prospect he is. for next year. He is. He's going to get a bag, Lair. He is. He is. And Jose got one as well. So, yes, I mean, he that's did. as well deserved. Yes. Uh, it will be fun to see where where that family goes. And, you know, to circle back on the golf thing, I didn't know we had that alike. We both you were also a golf course employee. Yeah, for, for two years, maybe right. even three. I don't remember. Um, maybe I'm showing my age. Yeah. But uh, back to the fall league. Two more guys who are not on the Skycarp roster this season, but will likely be this upcoming season. And that's Joe Mack, arguably the best catcher in the system, thought of very highly, a uh, recent draft pick. And Justin Fall, a starting pitcher. Fall has struggled a little bit. He's had one good start. Two of his starts, he struggled in a little bit. But like you said, Arizona Fall League, very hitter heavy. But Joe Mack, he's put up some nice numbers. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think the profile of our team, our potential team for next year, might be significantly different than what we saw this year, where we were very pitching heavy. The hitters struggled a little bit. And from what I understand, you know, talking to some people, it might be very hitter heavy where the, the, any question marks the team might have might come on the pitching end. So we might see more offense out here at ABC Supply Stadium, which, hey, as long as those game times still coming in about two and a half hours, no complaints <laughs> from me. Oh, we man. love to see offense. We'd love to see, we'd love to see the full capability, the, uh, the, uh, the paparazzi lights, you know, coming yeah. on more. We did not hit a lot of home runs at home, Larry. I don't know if you're aware of this. No, yeah, I, I did notice uh, a little bit that, you know, not even just us, nobody hit a lot of home runs at Absolutely. ABC Supply Stadium. You know, there are numbers that take that into account, and this is really getting into the weeds in terms of, like, park factor. Yeah. You know, but uh, maybe I'll work on that for another podcast episode. It was funny because back when we were at Pullman Field, Rip, um, <laughs> It would play as almost an extreme pitcher's park in April and May, mostly because of the weather. But then whatever the wind patterns were, once we got to the summer months, June, July, and August, it was kind of turned into a bandbox. The wind always seemed to be blowing out, and there would be tremendous home run numbers. Um, But at ABC Supply Stadium, we're in a different spot, and not as hitter-friendly dimension-wise. I think the park plays fairly fair. It's just... Well, it'll be interesting. We'll know a lot more next year, too, when we get through a whole other year with that data out there is exactly how this park plays. Definitely, and we'll definitely dive into maybe the potential makeup of next year's roster in future episodes, and maybe we'll have some guests who are going to be on the team next year. You know, just putting that out there. So be sure to uh, subscribe or follow or however you're watching us, YouTube, social media, whatnot, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, speaking of home runs, Joe Mack with three in the Arizona Fall League so far, so that's promising. I uh, want to turn our attention to the big leagues now. World Series coming up. It's starting this Friday. Philadelphia Phillies sneaking in from that last wild card spot, going up against the Titans of the American League in the Houston Astros. I want to start with the Philadelphia Phillies, though. What a run 
that has been and how much fun they have been to watch. You know, it's a really sore subject uh, for me because my Milwaukee Brewers just barely missed out on capturing that Phillies playoff spot. And it wasn't because the Phillies had an unbelievable month of September. Over and over again, they wanted to hand that spot to the Brewers, and the Brewers responded in kind by saying, we're good. You know who helped with that? The Marlins. Avi Garcia, I was Let's there. Go. And uh, I still have PTSD from that Avi Garcia Grand Slam. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. But anyway, um, so the, the Phillies come into the playoffs not playing well at all. Let's not make out like there's some sort of Cinderella story, however. They have several incredibly high-paid individuals from Real Muto to Harper to Schwerer. I mean, Well, know. here, that was going to be my counterpoint. You mentioned the Brewers and how they just missed that spot. You look on paper, I mean, in my opinion, the Phillies are leagues better than the Brewers. Sure. And I, I think if you want a team from an outsider's perspective, like mine, I don't have a horse in this race, Brewers or Phillies, really, if you look on paper. The Cubs, you barely had a horse at all in the Cubs. You had like a Shetland the pony. The Marlins, you mean? Yeah. Well, I know, but you're a Cubs fan. Grew up a Cubs fan. And I would never say anything against the Marlins, who are a young and up-and-coming team and <laughs> World Series contenders next year, probably just a few tweaks. Next, next year? Yeah, well, oh, that's not? a bold prediction. Why not? Wow. Why not? We'll, uh, we'll get that on, on social media, pump that out as a, a graphic, you know? Yeah. To supplement the podcast. Josh Flickinger, Marlins, World Series bound. Book Need a it. few tweaks, but yeah. <laughs> Get there eventually. A few judges, um, a few Aaron judges. But if, if I'm just a baseball fan in general, I think I want to see the Phillies rather than the Brewers this year. I mean, look at what Bryce Harper has done. He has been incredibly electric. He's been one of the best players, you can say, of the last 10, sure. 12 years or so-ish, right? I don't remember exactly when he made his debut. Mm -hmm. But, man, that home run, what stood to be the game winner, in that last game of the NLCS. I mean, I got chills. That was an incredible moment. It is a great moment. And, you know, one of my friends brought this up. Uh, one of my, my two friends, it was one of them. Uh, he, he brought it up in a text chain. Um, he said, you know, baseball kind of lends itself more to those crazy, emotional, unbelievable scenes than other sports. You know, and I think the reason is, is because you have so much downtime i heard a saying once that said that i i love and have used in the in the past is you know baseball is boring until it isn't right yeah. a lot of the game is just kind of sitting around and wadding and waiting and watching and especially with the way the game has i'd say probably unfortunately evolved into a three true outcomes type of sport where the ball isn't in play much you spend a lot of time watching a lot of stationary stuff, but when something happens and you get that explosion, that's what makes baseball so special. And the Harper home run was a great example of that. Now we have a guy in our office who's a Philly guy, <laughs> loves loves Phillies, you know, and he's been a little tough to be around. <laughs> the Eagles are six and zero, and look unbelievable. That's a great point you make. The Phillies are in the stinking World Series. And, well, the 76ers have sucked so far, but the Flyers are probably good. Who cares? Uh, and this guy is, his name is Jared. And if you see him, don't strike up a conversation because it's going right to how awesome his sports teams are. And I've had, he just walked by. You can't make that up. And you, <laughs> and you yeah, you just don't, you don't want any part of it. 
I, I swear I came to work yesterday and I was my I, I girded my loins for the Jared conversation that was coming. And I didn't have to wait long, Larry, at 9.01. There he was, a bearded Philadelphian, just looming in my uh, the entrance to my door in my office. And I just I, I hung with him for 10 minutes about uh, the awesomeness that is Philadelphia. And then I had to had to show him the door. I had a uh, Zoom call, <laughs> like those exist. And, um, and uh, so, yeah. Wow, that's brutal. That's brutal. Yeah. Hey. Happy for the guy. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like the Phillies have had this run of unbridled success. I mean, <laughs> they, they won in 08, which precipitated an unbelievable economic downfall. Um, <laughs> there's a whole history of yeah, that, oh, as yeah. I'm sure you've oh, yeah. seen. Uh, you had the Philly special. Uh, so he's got, was that, 17? Yeah, something uh, like that. Some, had the Philly special, so he's got an Eagles. Sixers, it's been since... 83. So it's been a while for them, and I don't care about the Flyers. So Yeah, I mean, who cares? Blackhawks took them down that one year. Yeah, who cares? That's right. Nice. Yeah. No. All righty then. Um, and turning to the other side of the World Series, uh, <laughs> Houston. I mean, that ALCS, just objectively, if you're not an Astros or Yankees fan, that's tough. Yankees, Astros, ALCS, again. Another Astros-Yankees matchup in the playoffs. I mean, who do you root for? It turns out we didn't have much of a choice. And it just kind of, you blink and you miss it. And none of the games were really that riveting. No. The last game, game four, was okay. But not really compelling. Well, the Astros are on just an unbelievable historic run now. They've lost not, not at all, right? They've yep. swept their way to the World Series. Yep. And they are another team. I mean, you know, we don't have any Jared-like Houston fans in our office. Um, but they are another team that is not exactly fun to root for. I, I no. think the entire sports world turned their backs against the Astros after all the, the cheating scandal. And now, of course... And that was after they were so easy to root for. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um... So I don't know, do I, you know, who do you really root for, 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 for Midwestern fans like us? It doesn't seem to be a real dog in the fight. Um, but um, yeah, it, it should be a good series, I, I guess. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, <laughs> don't, don't go into the wagering at all because it's, you know, illegal in Wisconsin. But I was, a friend of mine showed me this website and it said that <clears throat> uh, the Phillies were like, Minus 180, which I guess means they're favorite. I don't get the terminology because I don't do that kind of thing. But uh, pretty heavy favorites. Um, the Phillies? Uh, the Astros, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, that. That would be wild. Sounds a little backwards. No, that'd be wild. I, my, that would really show my rudimentary uh, gambling knowledge there, Larry. But, um, but yeah, so I, I, and I think that's about right. I mean, I, I think that they should be heavily favored. But, you know, do the Phillies have this team of destiny thing going on? That that'd be the only question. And sometimes in baseball, the '88 Dodgers and '06 Cardinals, and you get those uh, you get those things. You also have, of course, you know the back-to-back -back Royals. You know, making the series, and it, it was so funny with that Royals run because I think everybody assumed, even though they were young and good, it was like it's the Royals. They had their one chance. They got so close. It was a cute story. 
but they'll never make it back. And then yep. sure enough, the next year they make it back and they win. And now you will definitely never <laughs> see it again. But at least they got their title. That would exactly be, exactly mirror the Brewers situation where, yeah, they might make it once and their chance was in 18 as it turned out. And it you know, got to game seven of the NLCS. Just didn't and break their way. And people forget that. I'm, I'm quick to forget that yeah. person. That the it Brewers was not were long ago. away from the World Series. Yeah. Uh, that is hard to believe. Uh, there's a lot of different teams that you can point to. And I, I think in baseball, I think baseball also lends itself to the underdog stories in the playoffs more than other sports, you could argue. I think it's more random than other sports. But I would also argue on the counter that we, as in baseball, capital B baseball, has the most incongruent um, level of parity, too, because we are the only sport without a salary cap. And it, you know what? The Dodgers are going to be good every single year. The Yankees should be good every single year because they have the ability to outspend their mistakes. And it's obviously, as the Rays have shown throughout the year, the years that it's not the only way. The, a, the A's have punched above their weight um, for as long as they could. Now they're just a complete, you know, the most exciting thing with the A's happens in the, uh, you know, the third deck these days. But, uh, um, you know, it's... it's um, not going to go there. Not going to go there. <laughs> but um, nonetheless, they had a great run. Um, and, but those teams they have, have nice not won. Run in Beloit too. They have not won. You know, they, they have... Um, they have, you know, the Rays have never won a title. They've, they've gotten there, but they've never won one. And uh, the A's have not won since, you know, 89. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough for those teams. And, and I'm, I'm biased as, you know, one of those small market team guys that's like, it's, you know, it's not fair, but you have to find ways around it. And it's tough to at least sustain success when you're on that level. And the, the Marlins, maybe not necessarily a classic small market team being in Miami, but they have to deal with a lot of those challenges, maybe not one of the top revenue teams. And yeah. Building through, you know, where we are right now. There's going to be a lot of future Marlins that were in our clubhouse this year and will continue to be in our clubhouse because of the way they have to operate. That's a great segue. I know you're in showbiz because our next Industry topic, term. indeed, next topic, next segment, it's called top of the order and every podcast we're going to pick a category and me and Flick are going to alternate go back and forth and pick three people teams things songs whatever an object and pick teams of sorts and this week's topic is 2022 Skycarp that we think will be the first to make the big leagues so now I think the next question that maybe we should have determined before the show started is who's going to pick first? How is this working? I think you can pick first, Larry. Do you want to flip a coin? And um, Flip an SD card. We're going to flip an, an SD, SD card. card. All right, here we go. Matt Mitchie, those Creative hands. Services Director, great assist. Heads is, heads heads is, is the, yeah, this, the, yep. yeah heads that is thing. The label. Nice camera shot tails. there. What do you yep. want? Uh, we'll go tails. Okay. Never fails. Mm, we'll see. It is... Oh, shoot. Wow. That is why Larry's baseball career never progressed uh, farther than it did. Aren't, aren't we glad it we didn't, are, though? Yeah, exactly. We're the better for it. So, tails it is, and uh, that means uh, I will defer. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to take, take the first pick. And I want to, you know, we want to set these two. We're going to name six guys, and we're going to name them in the order we believe that they will get there. In no way 
does this mean that there are only six guys that we feel? I believe, I looked this up during the season, and about, I think it's like 27% of the players in high A will eventually make the big leagues. So you're talking about, on average, between six, seven guys. And yeah, of course, yeah. with the way, you know, you could even be more, six, seven guys at one time. You can even be more liberal with that because we probably have, and we could look this up, I won't. We probably had, what, 45 guys yeah. that played for our team? Around there. So then you're talking maybe the course of the we year. We got to keep track of that next maybe, year, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Maybe, but we were an incredibly static team for a long yes. time, yes. which was great. One of the more static teams in the league, if not the most static team in the league. Absolutely. We had two guys, and this high A stuff. This is all new to Beloit baseball fans. We've been a low A team since 1982. So just these last two years have been really fun and we saw a perfect example of just how fast that can go to the big leagues, that progression can, because we had two guys, both pitchers, uh, Brian Hoying and I don't know if you know the other one, um, that pitched for the snappers, they were the snappers then, my How God, Poopsie. You? I didn't think I, yeah, she's, she's a, he's a little uh, fragile. Uh, these are our, our Poopsie plush toys, just new to the team store. Um, you can pick them up. Come and see us anytime. There they are. Um, they are wonderful. The kids will like them, adults will like um, They can go on your mantle. Thanksgiving dinner right as the centerpiece. Yeah. Um, I, I know some folks that got the Poopsie bobbleheads. Yes. A few of them, obviously, you know, bring the family down, everybody gets a bobblehead. You got to put them around the house, including in the bathroom, naturally. So we had two guys that were in Beloit, pitched at, I don't know about ABC Supply Stadium, but they for sure pitched at Pullman Field last year and made their major league debuts this year. So there's a chance that we could have members of the Skycarp um, this year, and it will be kind of neat because it will be the first Skycarp to uh, you know, to ever wear the Skycarp uniform that goes on to the big league. So that's a framework. All that being said. Um, After all that, all right, get your bearings. We're finally going to get to it here. I would like to go with Dax Fulton. I knew e it. Even though Dax is one of our younger guys, I think he is a guy that is on the rise, and you saw that with I don't want to say a slow start, but Dax was just kind of rolling along, doing fine. He'd have a couple really good starts and then maybe a not-so-good start. And then all of a sudden, with Kim Ng in attendance out here at ABC Supply Stadium, he threw an absolute gem. Well, guess what? We didn't see Dax after that <laughs> here in Beloit. And what he did, not only throughout the rest of the regular season in AA, but also in the playoffs, this guy is close. Could he make it next year? I'm not going to bet against him. But it might take a couple of years, but I think Dax is going to get there soon. Yeah, I think Dax would have been my number one pick as well. Consensus there, especially considering what he did, like you mentioned, after he got called up. You could really see those flashes midseason, though, when yes. he struck out the first nine batters yep. of the game against the South Bend Cubs, the eventual Midwest League champion. And those last few starts with Beloit, Absolutely dominant, and I do want, before I make my pick, I do want to give some credit to Jason Erickson, Beloit's pitching coach, for that. Dax was working through a lot at the beginning of the season. Very easy to forget how young he was, just 20 years old. But Jason did such a good job with him, and the Marlins pitching coordinators did such a good job with him, and I think that really speaks to the Marlins system and how well 
they develop pitching. I think Dax is a great example of that. I have a great Dax story, one of my favorite Dax stories. I'm sure you guys have both heard it, but uh, talking to Matt Mitchie too, behind the scenes, genius. Anyway, I'm talking with Dax. He's a tall guy, right? I think he's listed at 6'7". And I was like, Dax, did you play much basketball growing up? A natural question, of course, to ask a guy that ended up being 6'7". He said, yeah, I did. I played all the way up, um, you know, until high school. But he's like, but, and he said this very casually without any ego whatsoever. He goes, but, you know, in eighth grade, I got offered a full ride to play baseball at Oklahoma. And so I was like, I better focus on baseball. I'm like, good choice, Dax. You know, it's not a choice a lot of us have to make, but uh, I think he made the right one. Yeah. Hang up the sneakers. Yeah. He, he does have a nice collection of sneakers anyways, though. I bet he does. Um, my pick, my number one pick, a lot of different ways I could go here, but I'm going to go with the, the guy who was the highest-ranked prospect in terms of MLB pipeline on our roster this year in Jose Salas. After Nassim Nunez got promoted, we saw Jose move from second base or third base predominantly to Beloit's everyday shortstop when he was healthy. Incredible glove at shortstop, and dare I say underrated defensively he makes a lot of plays that other guys don't make but obviously I think where he's really a plus prospect is with the bat he struggled a little bit in high a and obviously I think the injuries on and off the IL contributed to that it's hard to get in the rhythm of of pitching at the higher levels of the minor leagues once you start climbing the ladder if you're not playing every day and we saw that with Jose a little bit but when he got hot he was hot. And one thing that really impressed me with Salas this year was even when he wasn't hitting for average, he would get on base almost every single game. Imagine what he can do when he is hitting and when he is in a rhythm and he is healthy for a full season. I'm really excited to see what he can do next year. Yeah, I mean, he's a, a un, you know unlimited potential type of guy. He was a master uh, throughout the course of the year. I think he made three or four of these just at home. The Jeter throw yep. from deep in the hole, the, the, the leaping throw. I mean, just an electric play. Um, and, yeah, you mentioned the offensive capabilities. The only way reason I may, might not have gone with Jose early on is because he is just 19. I think the Marlins are going to be patient with him. In fact, I mean, is there a chance? You know, and we are speaking with very limited to no knowledge of this. <laughs> but is there a chance we might get Jose to start off the 2022-3 season? I think there's a chance. Because he's so young. Exactly. Because he's so young. And that's not an indictment. No, this would be this would be a I'm up here for a couple months to work on certain things before, you know, moving on to Pensacola. I'd be shocked if he if he did start here that if he were here through All Star break, for instance. But, yeah. but I'd love to selfishly I'd love to see him again um, because he is he's really fun to watch. It's that's an excellent uh, first pick for Larry. For the second pick, I'm going to go to the guy who is probably directly ahead of him in the organizational depth chart. I'm going to go Nassim Nunez. Okay. Also a guy with a lot of youth on his side. I, I believe maybe in the season he turned 21. Otherwise, he might just still be 20 as well. Younger guy. But he's got a couple of different major league tools already. Yep. Uh, of course, he has a major league glove at shortstop, which is critical. And that's going to allow him to move up. But he also has major league speed. And, you know, especially with the big leagues moving to bigger bases, that's going to help out those, those base stealers like we have here. He was um, on pace to obliterate our single-season stolen base record. Um, and For was, Pensacola stole him from us. but Yeah, Pensacola fine. stole a lot of guys from us and then won a ring. So not that we're bitter. Um, but, yeah, Nas is a guy that 
Um, he's going to get to the big leagues. It's just a matter of when and when he gets there. Can he be an everyday guy? Can he? Is he a utility guy? Is he a you know speed off the bench guy? Um, but um, I think his bat improved. You know, you were the first to see this as the guy who saw every game except for those three in West Michigan when uh, the flick man took over behind the bike. <laughs> oh, baby. Get the carpet of that one. It's <laughs> a good call. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, you saw him improve as the course of this, as the season went on. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned those tools, the glove, yeah. and especially the speed. Yes. I think those two things get him to the big leagues. Yeah, so no doubt. I'm excited to see it. For my second pick... It's, uh, this is tricky. Again, I could go in a lot of different directions. There's two guys that I'm thinking of, but I think I'm going to go with Victor Mesa Jr. Okay. Because a good center fielder, a plus center fielder, his defense, his range, very good. Arm could use some improvement, but it's very good, I would say. I think he plays a plus position in center field, can obviously play corner outfield because he's so good in center. The bat, we saw it in flashes, too. Contact guy. He's got that talent, the hand-eye coordination. You can see it. And I think I, I just really want to see Vic in Miami because he's such a big personality. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So fan-friendly, so good with fans, so good with us, so good with the media. He would be such a good Miami Marlin, and I really want to see it. I think he can get there. Uh, and I think that the Marlins obviously invested a lot in, in him and his brother, and I think he will get there uh, once he figures out the hitting side of it maybe a little bit more. Maybe we'll have to edit that, that part out. Um, no, but, I think he knows that too, and he's a young guy. I mean, he's 20, I believe. Yep. I mean, he's still got a lot of time to figure things out, and I think he will get things figured out, and, um, you know, Victor's going to be – going to be great to watch. We, we already kind of touched on him in the fall league, so that's been great. My third pick, I'm going to go more on, not necessarily that this person doesn't have a, a huge upside, but I think as far as expediency to the big leagues, we know what travels fastest to the MLB, I know where you're going. and that's pitching. Oh. And especially, okay, especially out of the bullpen, oh. I think a guy that has struggled, had his ups and downs in the AFL, but I think Chandler, jo Chandler Joswak could get there as soon as next year. Great arm, and as I mentioned, this is how those two, um, you know, 2021 snappers got there this year is um, organizations will cycle through a lot of pitching throughout a course of a year, especially if you run into injuries with the expanded roster. Now you get the extra spot for a bullpen guy. And I think Chandler's not far away. We saw moments where he was simply unhittable at this level. He did do well in a double A once he, once he got promoted and had some outings there too where he would face six guys and strike out five of them. You know, it's the consistency that's still lacking a little bit, but I think he's definitely a big league guy, and I think he could get there quickly. I agree with you on the pitching side. Now, where I thought you were going with the people that get to the big leagues the quickest, catchers. Oh, for me, call. my last pick, I could go a lot of directions with this. Oh, yeah. I've, I've got a bullpen arm in mind, oh, but too. I'm going to go Will Banfield. Yes. Because of what we saw in Pensacola when he got promoted. The defense has been there. It's always been there. It always will be there. Mm -hmm. His bat really, really played in double A, and that made a huge jump this year. 
I know he worked so hard with Chris Briones on the defensive side of things, but also the mental side of things. And I think that really improved Will's, obviously, defense, but also hitting. You know, this was his second year in high A, starting in, in high A, and I think the game slowed down for him a little bit on the hitting side. And then once he got to double A, he really went on a tear. If he's a guy that can, in terms of batting average, hit 260 in that range, few home runs, handful of homers, maybe 10-plus, and then you look on the OPS side, 750, with his glove and defense, that's a big league guy. Yeah, you've seen guys that, you know, I mean, there are countless examples of those backup catchers. And not that Will can just is limited to be a backup catcher, but defense-first catchers who hang around because they can start once or twice a week, handle the pitching staff, and if you can hit, yeah, then you're going to be in the big leagues for 15 years because that's, that's, that's what we've seen um, over and over again, and, and Will certainly has those credentials. Honorable mentions. A rapid fire. Let's go. Cody Morissette, Sean Reynolds. Reynolds uh, was my bullpen arm. Yeah. That I was yeah him and him and Joe's walk. I think Reynolds will get there. He's, JP Mercedes in yeah, the fall Merce- league this year. You, you Easy can gas. Never, never discount a guy that throws 101. 102. Yeah. And it, like it looks effortless. Right. That's my big takeaway with him. Uh, a lot of different guys that we Dolby, saw this year. I think Dolby, Dolby Rosario. Absolutely. Dolby's a guy that's going to be playing in the Dominican League, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Lightum. Yep. Along yep. with Nas. And Nassim Nunez, right? So those guys will be fun to watch over the winter. But uh, Dalvi has that positional versatility that he can play good shortstop, he can play good center field. Not a lot of guys out there that can do that. Zach King, MD Johnson. Yeah. Two pitchers who were just remarkably consistent throughout the year. On the older side, maybe there's a question mark there. But Mm -hmm. you look at their stuff, I think they could get to the big leagues. Yeah. So, yeah. A lot of different guys that could certainly get to the big leagues that played here this year. And it's going to be the case again next year, as we discussed earlier in the show. Does that do it for our first episode of uh, Flock good. Talk? I'm parched. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. You, you need some water? I need to get back to my office and, uh, you know, start grinding on some of those uh, JPEGs that I got sitting in my folder. So we'll be good <laughs> to go. Still not done with them? <laughs> no, no, we're still working. It's been Gotta like, what, two months? separate player folders. Oh, yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah, you understand. Riveting stuff. And uh, we won't go too far into detail. Otherwise, we'll, we'll lose our viewership if we haven't already. Uh, but thank you for watching. Thank you for joining us for our first episode of Flock Talk. We'll be back next week, hopefully with our first guest. We'll uh, get that in the works. So for our Creative Services Director, Matt Mitchie, Josh Flickinger, Larry Larson saying, see ya. Thank <laughs> you.